Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. It is with a great honor and truly mean that great honor that we're going to have Eddie Bertola on here. We're going to be talking a lot about mass notifications and missing persons. The, the real deal here, Eddie goes all in. He's a subject matter expert. He has done so many things with Amber Alerts to help find people to reunification uh, for you reunification to, to the law enforcement side. He has so many different perspectives in this space. We've never had anybody on the show to even talk about this. So this is kind of a new thing for our show as well. So it's a big deal. Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So let's just jump right in. Uh, let's talk about your background real quick, because when we say subject matter expert, now there's a lot of us who are subject matter experts who are on this show. We've, we've gone all through all the steps. But when we say you're a subject matter expert, we don't mean that you're one of the subject matter experts. We actually believe that you are the subject matter expert in this space because just because you have done so many great things from integrating with Twitter, from reducing Amber Alert times to the boards that you want to sit on for the tribes that you who you're working with, you just have done so many great things to help out the field. You're kind of like if if uh, for our audience sake, you're kind of like the Roddy Melsick of planning, but you're the Eddie Bertola of you know mass notifications. So let's just kind of dive into that real quick. Can you tell us kind of where your passion lies and how you got to this space? Because I just kind of named about six different projects that you've been working on. I know. I was I was following what you were saying. I'm thinking we could talk about each one of those things for at least an hour. Uh, and <laughs> Here we go. Let's do it. Six-hour podcast. To, to be fair, there, there are so many great people that work in this space. Uh, one of the things that I've been blessed with is just the, the relationships. And I didn't jump into this space, you know, with all the knowledge and experience that uh, that I would like to have. I came into the space recognizing there were issues uh, and possibilities. And whenever we talk about emergency management, um, we really try to talk about how do we want to convey messages to people? Uh, because what we're trying to do is to get a response. Uh, we send them information so that they will respond a certain way. And I know we're you know, missing persons and then you have emergency management. Do they really intersect? And they do. Uh, it's a perfect marriage because it's all based on that same principle. And what I did is I started looking at all the different ways that we're sending messages out. And unfortunately, uh, found that um, we were lacking. And, and I say the big we, this is across the nation. It, it's not just a problem that we were having out in California or pick your state, pick your county. We were limited by technology and, and experience, and maybe we weren't jumping off that high dive um, to try anything new. And what we were experiencing was a lot of the same, which isn't exactly what we want, right? And as we reached out to our communities, and, and thankfully all of us were a part of communities, we found that as we're pushing out these messages and trying to engage with the public, and again, it could be a flood, it could be you know, a missing endangered child, whatever it is, we're using tools and technology that ended up conveying a message that uh, had our communities feeling scared and confused. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to get someone to take an action, um, helping them to be scared and confused is exactly the opposite of what you're trying to do. And so then it, really it was reaching out to different uh, strategic partners. Uh, we have FEMA IPAWS, right? So it's the Integrated Public Alert Warning System. 
it's a system that all emergency managers use. And again, it, it doesn't matter the type of emergency. It is the federal program to send out messages to everyone in the public. And, and there's different tools that they use. So I did that. And I, and I thought, how can we use this just a little differently? And see, I know we're going from your initial question, but this is really That's where it started. It, it, it was, what can we do differently? And we really shaped it out in California just by working with another strategic partner of social media. And what was really fun is the way that we restructured our message uh, system, instead of having people feel confused and scared, we ended up turning it around and got them to feel empowered and engaged. That's and awesome. it really changed the way that the missing person side went, but it also changed the way that all of our other emergency management messaging went and it became super successful. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's disaster tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue in collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations is currently live. Think you have what it takes? Join us in Atlanta for an immersive experience. Space is limited to 40. Go to thereadinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. Okay, let's jump back in. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick because there is a lot of people. Um, there, there's, there's. I want to say there's three sides to the coin because that maybe it's a die at that point. I don't know, but there's, there's multiple angles here, and the angle that's typically used in emergencies to get people to act is that fear side. You know, um, as much as I love him, and he's been on the show, Craig Fugate. He would famously say, like, write your social security number in, in your uh, permanent marker on your arm in a hurricane because we're not going to save you. Trying to scare people enough to, to get them to go. And, uh, yeah, fear is one way, but you get desensitized pretty fast from, from fear or from, you know, even depression. Like, uh, I've talked about on the show a few times that I've lived in Japan three times. And the, the first time that... Um, that uh, somebody committed suicide on the trains really broke my heart. But like the 20th time I noticed how everybody in the train kind of just went like this, went Ugh. like, I'm going to be late to work checking their phones. And so they got desensitized by even being on the train because it happens so often over there. And, you know, Japan thankfully has done a lot to, to reduce that. But one of the things that they did was they just put mirrors up. And I know this kind of gets away from net mass notification, but even getting people to to rethink the scenario here, you're still human, you're important, you're alive. Like those are positive messages. And what you're talking about is taking mass notifications, which we need to talk about just how they get communicated in general, because so many people send out the mass notification without any kind of communications background whatsoever. And it's either dull or fear or like just depressing. And so like, if you're hearing this as a, 
as a listener of this show, somebody just told you that there's a, another way to do it. And apparently it's a lot more effective, right? I mean, that's what your message is. is there, there's another way and it's more effective. So what do you actually do from there? Absolutely. Now, just to repeat what you said, fear is a driving force. It absolutely is. Um, as we are looking to get people to engage with us and take a positive step into some type of action, um, there's already a lot of mental stress that, that is happening during an emergency situation. And there's not much we can do about that. It, it's innate. It's, it's a physiological response that everybody has. If we can provide them with a type of message that provides them with the who, what, when, where, why, how, it answers all those questions, um, provides them with perhaps pictures or, or just general information, it lets them actually engage in the process of thinking what actually is going on. What do I need to do? Should I be scared? Can I, can I assist? And the response is so much better. It's really, it's been a, a, a dynamic and I, I use the word engaged a lot, but it's, it's really been a, a tremendous and I'm not trying to oversell it. What we have coined is actionable information. Mm. There's information that gets passed around, but is it actionable information? Is it something that can help somebody make a decision um, for their own benefit or the benefit of, of someone else? And mm. I, I guess as an example, the, the iPaws system that we mentioned before that, that FEMA oversees has a program within it called the Wireless Emergency Alert. You'll hear it referred to as the WIA. And the WIA itself is technology. The WIA. Uh -huh. it's, it's the WIA. And, and it's funny. People are like, well, it's a text, text message. Well, it's similar to a text message. It's a little different. Um, and on federal government standards, I mean, we've had it since 2012. I mean, look at these companies, McDonald's, Sears, pick your company. They've been sending you, you know, spam messages for, for 25 <laughs> years. But the federal government was able to harness this tool um, with uh, help from other agencies to where we can send out messages on a cell phone. Now, when you think about it, wow, that's great. We can notify everybody, everything, but there are limitations to the, to the program. And what we have seen over the years is we're just giving people enough information again to be scared and confused. Uh, you can't tell a compelling story in 90 characters. Uh, there's no way for me to tell you, hey, you know, this is going on or you need to evacuate this area so you can go, you know, seek higher ground, whatever it may be. You just can't do it. And so what agencies have done, unfortunately, is they try so many abbreviations or they assume people know other parts to the story that they just don't. And it's caused a lot of fear and confusion uh, to the point where we have agencies that won't use this uh, tool, which is a tremendous tool. Uh, so what we did is uh, we reached out to FEMA and again, they've been great partners throughout this and, and they're really the leads for it. Mm -hmm. And we worked out uh, with them the ability to use a hyperlink. And, and again, it's, it's one of those simple steps. And again, people have been doing it for decades, but in the federal emergency management message area, it's only been since July of 2018. So it's Jeez. still pretty new. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. I once had a uh, was it Hurricane Matthew? I'm gonna try to remember which the one in Florida. Florida. Yeah, Hurricane Matthew, 2016. I was talking to um, somebody on the beach uh, that I went out there with, uh, Mike Paddock. I always give a shout out to that guy. I've wanted him on the show forever. He's my NOAA liaison, uh, great guy. 
and uh, we were talking to somebody and um, they didn't know who we were with. Uh, they just knew we were, you know, we, we didn't have any of our branding on for, for obvious reasons. And the guy was talking like, man, I'm so sick of those mass notifications. They're always screaming at me. I was like, what do you mean they're always screaming at you? Well, they're, they put it on all caps. They're yelling at me. And that was, that was 2016. And that was just like the NOAA normal like information. They put it in all caps so that it's less confusing. But in a, in a world where people start texting for the last 15, 20 years, and if you put something in caps, that means you're yelling. This, this guy, you know, this millennial thought that he was getting yelled at. And he intentionally was trying to ignore messages because he thought he was getting yelled at. And this, this was 2016. And so like, it just shows you that we need to think about the communication process, the information. I agree with the character limit. There's so many times that character limits per and they're arbitrary character limits. They're there to like quote unquote help, but they, they don't really help it when it comes down to it. And so like, it's, it's important to look at the gaps and, you're talking really t about being an innovator in the space, not just a subject matter expert, but an innovator innovator in the fact that, hey, we need to relook at things. And that's kind of the purpose of this show is we bring leaders on here and we say, here's this sphere or this object, and we need to tweak it a little bit and, and how to do it right. And so if, if you're saying FEMA has been really fairly new at this process, either 2012 or 2018, and in the progression of that, then what does the emergency manager need to do right now? Because we haven't even talked about how you've had over three, you've helped have over 300 million hits on Twitter, right? To help out with these mass notifications and that process alone. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. Emergency managers are so afraid to communicate with the public to begin with. So how do you get over those humps? Well, if I can address one thing, because I'm sure it's going to come in a comment is you're going to get a comment that's going to say, well, you can use 360 characters for a, a wireless emergency alert or a WIA as well. Mm -hmm. And that's true. However, what people don't understand about that generally is uh, it all depends on what your phone you have. So some of the technology is uh, dependent on how new your phone is. Now, if you're one of those people that, hey, I have the, the iPhone 18, you know, uh, <laughs> then congratulations, you're going to have everything. If you're yeah. someone else that doesn't like to spend a lot of money and you're like, man, the iPhone 6 is solid, it's going to go for another three years, you are limited. And so as an emergency manager, you have to be aware that your population is very diverse. And even though you'll have some people that can get, you know, the 360 characters, the vast majority, and I want to say uh, the FCC, Federal Communications, and I'm totally blanking, FCC, help me out. Federal, federal Communications. I've always just said FCC. Let's just go with FCC. I'll, I'll be with you. Everybody knows the uh, FCC. <laughs> somebody will comment. Somebody will make a comment. But yeah. the FCC keeps stats, and they've been uh, great. They're updating it, and so you have almost three quarters of a population that still only received the ninety, and that's why, again, we focus on the ninety. Um, to answer some of the other questions, how do you get over being scared? And the first way to do it is to get trained and to practice. And if I could repeat those again, is to get trained and practice. And when you're good at both of those things, you do them again. Because what happens is when you get to that situation and you're having to do it in the real world, if you are wondering, how do I do it? You're already behind. Uh, you're already going to be in trouble. And what so just doing those little things. 
one one problem and this is kind of off topic but let's address it i've seen a lot of emergency managers where they want to come to our training with the readiness lab or they want to do this or they want to do that and one of the first things that happens is their training budget is cut or uh, there's a ton of emergency managers out there emergency services in general where they're not given either the funding or a priority of training and like I always cringe inside when that happens because we have diminishing skills. And so like, what is your pitch specifically just in general for training? I mean, you, you kind of just start hitting on it, but there's a lot of people who are going to be frustrated listening. It's like, oh, I want to do this stuff, but I can't. Right. Like how do you get them to make the pitch for, I need funding to be able to get training. Well, a lot of these events are very high risk, low frequency right? They, they don't happen very often, thankfully, but when they do, it's all hands on deck. And one of the ways that I know we have uh, reached out to others and others have reached out to us, um, I guess, is networking, looking to see what training is out there, what training is available. There is generally, um, due to COVID, I mean, COVID, you can go up and down, but one thing COVID has done is unlock the door for virtual training, virtual experiences, whereas before it was all in person. And I'm the first one to say in person is by far the best for mm -hmm. me. Um, I yeah. can engage with people better, but there, there is training out there. And whether you do um, general searches, um, again, network with other people, go to the different conferences, you will find training available. And if you're in those discussions with uh, people that are making the decisions on budget, um, really convey to them. I mean, what is training as far as a cost compared to having to clean up a situation that didn't go as well as it could have because of training? And one thing that uh, we talk about is um, the public and our community is going to hold us accountable to the level of training they perceive we are supposed to have. Um, there, there's a theory that... I like that. There's a theory I talk Mike about in all of my training called the Hollywood Effect. And it's one I've been talking about the last few years. And it's truly the, the idea and understanding that the majority of our communities are um, thinking that we can do so many things that we just can't do. We have tools that we don't have. And it's because they get their training and experience from what they watch on TV. And, you know, in the law enforcement side, um, when you when you get to any type of uh, scene and you're talking to somebody and you have the members of your community who are around saying, well, well, there's 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 something there. Go get DNA from a Kleenex that's been on the ground for two weeks and then you'll come back in 30 minutes and it's going to go into a computer system and pop up with a picture and you're going to go talk to them. They're going to confess and you're done. And now I, I hope they don't really think that, but in a way they're they do. And in emergency management, it's exactly the same. How many movies are out there with? some type of disaster. The and, Tommy Lee uh, Jones of volcanoes. Oh, yeah, and that's... You know, and, and so we're, we're in an uphill battle. So if you are having a problem trying to get uh, a manager or somebody else to allocate funds, ask them, what level of preparedness do you think we're at? Or do you think we should be at? Because maybe they think you're at a level that you're really not or that you have tools that, that you really don't have. Um, because the level of capability they're going to want you to have when the emergency happens, I mean, again, is that Hollywood-esque type effect because that makes everybody look good. And, and at the same time, it, it helps everything run good, which is the, the true mission, right, is to save lives and, and help everybody. So 
Mm-hmm. That that would be my suggestion for training. I like that. I like that question actually. Um, where do you think we're at right now? And just to hear their answers, especially if you can get them to answer honestly, and if you're brave enough to answer honestly, like I can do that, or I can't do that, or I could do that if I had the training to do that. Um, you know, I, I, I trust people. I, obviously, I'm a big data guy. I've talked about data all the time on the show. I'm a GIS guy myself, big fan of data. But if you can't have competency to understand what that data means, you don't have actionable information. In fact, I argue that you don't have information if you can't understand your data. And, and so like the data is just, you know, ones and zeros or just random, random dots on a map. It's inf- it, once you are able to action it, then it becomes information. That's, that's kind of what I say. And so like, I, I, I agree with all those ideas. At the same time, I, I think it's important that you noted that you as a, an emergency manager or somebody in first as a first responder and emergency services, whatever it may be, humanitarian even, you have to recognize that your stakeholder might be looking at the budget. And if you're not able to convey that, hey, this is a budget thing, you spend X amount of dollars here, you can save tens, 10 times that in a disaster just by giving me the information to be able to send out the right information or to get the right stakeholders involved, a starting point, you don't want somebody to be learning in real time in a disaster. That's that's always bad news. It's You're always behind the curve if that happens. I will say, though, that Tommy Lee Jones, again, with Volcano, is the greatest emergency manager of all time. He's actually in the volcano. He's at the OC. He's saving lives. Hey, He does it all. So <laughs> you know, There's a place for all of us. But it's like you see the, the musical instruments behind me, right? Yeah. Again, emergency management messaging is the exact same principle. Those on the wall and everything else, they they really don't mean anything back there unless you're playing them, right? Um, yeah. But the time you want to play, and if somebody asks you to perform, that shouldn't be the first time you're picking it up, or you shouldn't be like, "Well, I've done it twice," and you're, you know, yeah. it doesn't go very well. Um, and yeah, you know, if I can give you, let me let me shout this little experience out with it. Uh, when we were first going through this uh, new idea about trying to message the public differently, we weren't really sure how things were gonna were gonna happen because it was an, it was a new space, and I had reached out to all the other departments we could contact to say, has anybody else done this? Because I hate reinventing a wheel. If there's something already going, I just want to make it go faster. There was nothing in this space. <laughs> And that's a very scary place to be, especially in California when we have a population of of about 40 million. And so if I'm going to be doing something for the first time that's going to go out to all these people, it's either going to go really well or I'm going to be the first unemployed person, you know, from a state job, which is so hard to do. Right. Uh, So how do you do it? So we reached out to Twitter and said, look. Um, And to be fair, we reached out to many different social media platforms and said, you guys deal with uh, mass influxes of of users. How does it it work with bandwidth? And we had to become students. And if you want to lead something, one of the best things to do is become a student in that area because you do have to learn it. And it's one of those you check your ego at the door because there are some things that I knew I, I knew really well. But the more that I looked into it, there was a lot that I had to learn. And I had great partners that just took me step by step to say, this is how um, 
the network works as far as bandwidth. And this is what we can actually handle. This is what we can't. And we found out very quickly that, you know, state and government websites are not meant to carry a viral load of, of users. Mm. And uh, it, it failed a couple times as we were doing little tests. Those failures, though, were so important because it led the way to the next step, which was using social media. So we contacted Twitter and they have a great policy, uh, public policy and government uh, team. And we explained what was happening. And, and I say we, it was literally, I was on the phone going, no, this is who I am. Can you, can you help me out? And yeah. it was new. And so they said, well, tell, you know, explain what is it? And I did. And they said, you know what? We're not really sure what this is, but we're going to back you on it. And they mm -hmm. did. They set up a couple little tweaks to the page. We sent out um, information for, I'm going to give you an alert here. This was a man who had just uh, attacked the, the mother of his child. They were not married. Um, almost killed her, took the baby and said, I am heading down south to the border. This happened in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, you talk about how we become desensitized because as I say the story, I've talked about it. I'm just like, okay, it happens, but such a serious event within That's not horrible, only that family, yeah. but the community. So he's taken off and we send out information with our wireless emergency alert that gives a link I, you know, it's a hyperlink embedded in the, the WEA for the first time. This is all new for the national audience, right? They click on it. It works perfectly. It's going to Twitter. Uh, we have people getting that who, what, where, why, and why. Pictures of the suspect, the vehicle, flyers. It was amazing. Everything that the Hollywood mind tells them they should be getting. Mm. Um, long story short, this guy ends up at a gas station. And we send out an alert uh, within just a few minutes uh, everybody at the gas station gets it and they surround his car. They basically uh, detain him appropriately uh, while they're calling law enforcement and the child is saved. So what was the difference? Like what caused them to engage? It's understanding how emergency messaging works. It's you have to communicate with them in a, in a positive way to say, look, this is the information you can choose to engage in this and, and be a part but you don't have to be scared. And, and they chose to do it. Um, yeah. I got to throw one more in. I know yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk your ear off here. No, this is amazing. You're, you're me down a rabbit hole and I have, you, I have you, we should have shared this at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, we had one that was in the coastal area because we have rural places in the United States and, and rural communities are, are special and different. Uh, just like how our densely populated have unique experiences and challenges. Well, in a more rural place, we had an alert go out and it's like, well, you know, I hope it's going to work just as well. Well, what we found is our suspect was one of the people that reacted first to this alert. Uh, the suspect mm -hmm. got it on her phone. Um, she had a child with her that she, she had took through uh, means. Let's just say she was not supposed to have it and the child was in danger. And so she knew her car was burned, right? Meaning that everybody was going to be looking for the car because we not only sent the license plate, but we sent a picture. Mm -hmm. So she immediately goes and parks in an area and calls for Uber because she needs a ride. Now, Uber is dispatched by cell phones. Our alerts were going out by cell phone. We had juveniles that were a pair of juveniles in a car that were just looking and they got the alert too. They saw her pull up. They call 911 immediately and say, hey, we recognize it from this Twitter thing that we saw. So now we have deputies in route. So we have all these different pieces awesome. 
So the Uber driver ultimately says, I'm not going to take you in my car because you're this person on my phone that says bad. We have juveniles who are watching from a distance saying, nope, bad. And she ends up running towards the street. And here come these deputies in a car who, I mean, law enforcement, we get radio traffic, but they found her based on the picture that we sent on a cell phone. So they detain her. And basically, long story short, it's all these pieces. But you go from a, a child that's in imminent danger of serious bodily injury or death to having that baby in our arms in 34 minutes. Jeez. And I mean, what, the, so what's what's the change, right? It's the community. Yeah. It's the way that we engage with them. The, the, um, I don't even know where to start with that. There's too many sad stories in our field. And these are excellent and exciting stories. It's we talk about. So I had a somebody on the show a f- few weeks ago t- talking about how he hates the term whole community, and I hate the term whole community for a different reason. Because you don't when you say you're going to eat an apple, there's a tangent. If you say you're going to eat an apple, someone doesn't say back to you, "Do you mean the whole apple?" Yeah, of course I mean the whole apple. Why do I need to say whole community? Just say community, anyways. But he hated whole community because he didn't think we were really engaging the whole community. And, um, you know, when we talk about just organizations and what you're talking about is an opportunity for people to do something to help. And they will remember that for the rest of their lives. They'll remember I saved that child. But really what happened was Eddie Bertola attacking a system that was not really in place. There was no wheel to say, hey, how can we do this? How can I learn? And you just shared a couple outcomes. And I know that you have shared other outcomes with me. You're talking about real life saving children endangered moments, people who are missing moments, and you change this, you, you rerouted the trajectory of their lives by being saved. And um, those are those are moments that you should hold very dear to you. But we should be listening to that and saying, okay, like, how do I become a student in this? How do I do this right? How do I get over the hump of being afraid of sending out a communication out? And getting away from kind of old tactics that don't really work for new generations. And so I, I think that's, um, I, I, again, I think you're hitting on uh, all pistons here. In fact, I think I just came up with the name of that, the episode. Uh, so it's exciting for everybody. <laughs> I like to tell you, if I can just put out information to anybody who's listening here, I'm going to acknowledge, number one, it is scary. It's scary to do new things. It's tough. But I'll be the, the one to say, if I did it, you can do it, right? And I'm not asking anybody to go out and try something new. The, the, the ground has been laid. All you have to do is follow the best practices that are out there, right? And, and I've been able and fortunate enough to be the one to, to help really lead on what those best practices are. And it's not that I'm doing it to say, hey, you know, this is this is it. I've been taking all the information that I get from all of these partnerships that we have and and really trying to identify this is what you can do. Just the important part is just to do it, just to, to get that training, get that experience. So that when it happens, um, you can make that difference. Um, and I know that uh, I, I've had the opportunity. I've, I think I've trained people and I think I'm at 40, 42 or 43 different states, and I have been able to train people in multiple countries. Everybody has that same desire. And that's one of the things that keeps me going with you and, and everybody else is we do want to help. We want to make that difference to, to help save that life. And, and just as you were saying, I have so many memories 
and and very recent experiences that are very tender that that truly are are one of those life-saving moments that you know that the system and and you know government systems right but the system works now mm-hmm. and it works because we weren't afraid to to change it and to try something new yeah i think that's a i think that's an excellent message to head on uh to, to finish on uh, rather eddie the the reality of the situation is that we all got in this field because we want to save and sustain life. And people work within different spectrums of that. I've had humanitarians, emergency managers, military personnel, um, yourself, you know, people from different backgrounds and perspectives. Um, but the reality is when you see the rubber hit the road kind of moment, it, it makes it worth it. And you just, you want to latch on and say, please try this. Some things that there we need innovation. Innovation is required for all industries. It's required, required for our industry. Um, however, not everything has to like part of the problem in our field is that we have found solutions, but people need to implement those solutions. And I think the call today is that for those who are listening, who have either tried mass notifications or who haven't had the opportunity Thankfully, they haven't needed to in their community yet to do that. They will likely need to do in the future. Find the best practices, either online or in-person trainings. Find the resources. Listen to shows like this one. I'm sure we're going to have you back on. In fact, I I have a little uh, bird on my ear knowing that you're going to start a podcast here soon. And so we'll let people know when that happens. But to allow people to dive in and see this... Uh, I saw it firsthand with the tsunami in Japan in 2011. I saw the impact of what people are trying to do and what it can do for people. And that has propelled me for the last, I don't know, 11 years now. And you're doing it yourself in your own right. And on that note, I want to call out one last thing, something I'm very excited about. And I think it's appropriate to share it on this podcast. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. So, the last 30 minutes or so, if you've been listening to this episode, you've been listening to somebody who has truly done it right, who's been an innovator, who has set up best practices, who is working with FEMA and with CHP and has been helping with tribes and has done the right things. And um, although we don't talk about Doberman Emergency Management very much on this podcast, it is, again, great honor to announce that Eddie Bertola will be joining our team or who has has joined our team technically and will be doing some really great stuff with us. And he will be training other people around uh, the United States, both tribes and uh, civilian uh, operations on how to conduct mass notifications, how to help out with Amber Alerts, how to find people. Again, this is somebody who has really done it well and done it right. And I'm again, Eddie, I'm so excited for you joining our team big honor for us here at Doberman Emergency Management. No, thank you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to really just expanding uh, some of the best experiences I've had over the last few years outside of those tender moments, right? When we, when we rescue someone is really getting to know so many people across the United States and, and actually just around the world, we have amazing international partners as well. And again, it's that same spirit, right? I want to help people. I want to do it. Uh, better. And the whole thing with emergency management messaging, right? Mass notification strategies. 
for me, I, I have so much passion because it is really one of the pieces that touches every single type of emergency situation because mm. it is all about information. Um, and so I look forward to the future. I think it's going to be exciting. I think there are going to be some pretty amazing uh, innovations and changes, and we're just going to um, go on that journey together. Yeah, absolutely. So um, emergency management, emergency services needs people like Eddie, needs people like you. And, um, you know, as we had, was we as we address the professionalism in the field, uh, improving emergency management from within, becoming more disaster tough. This is how you become disaster tough. It's not it, t- people who think that they can do it on their own fail miserably in catastrophic response. People who engage communities, who empower other people to work with them, that community becomes much tougher. It's a lot harder to do something stupid when you have every single person at the gas station saying, hey, I recognize that. I'm going to help out that kid. I'm going to surround that car. When you have juveniles who are willing to step up and call 911, an Uber driver who doesn't, you know, is like refuses to do something about it. When you're forcing a criminal into a situation or that they have to expose themselves to law enforcement and the community, that's disaster tough. That is making the right call at the right time, making the tough decision to keep learning so you're able to create best practice, all of the above. Super excited. I want you back on the show. We want to hear more of these stories. I can't believe it took us 25 minutes to get to the stories. We got to get those, more of those stories. And um, when you start your podcast, Eddie, we'll be more than happy to promote it because I know it will help the field. Again, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to be here, and thank you, and look forward to talking more about it. All right, everybody. If you got something out of this episode, which you should have, I'm going to communicate to you for a second real fast. You need to say thank you to Eddie. you got to give us that five-star rating and subscribe. Let us know in the comments. Let us know uh, on one of the pages of Disaster Tough Podcast, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's really big for us. Uh, you know, YouTube, even Twitter, you name it. You find us on social media. Send us a message. Send us saying, hey, this is either something I learned. A big thank you to Eddie for what he's done. Some A question you may have for the community. Speaking of that community that can help out. If you have a very specific question for Eddie that you don't want to share with the community or you're trying to you're trying to figure out where those sources are to, to learn from, you can always contact us at contact at the readiness We'll make sure that Eddie gets it and pass it along. And otherwise, we will see you next episode.